Thanks for tuning into McNamara on Money, a podcast about all things financial. On this show, we talk about investments and investment performance. In our practice, we give financial advice to our clients. We know their financial situation in detail before doing so. That's not the case with callers we may speak to on this show. We can't give truly meaningful financial advice because we don't know the detailed financial situation of the caller. Any suggestions we make to callers are generic in nature and meant to steer a caller in the right direction. Listeners to this podcast should consult their own financial professionals before implementing any suggestions we might make. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed, talking about inheriting assets this morning with my brother and business partner, Justin McNamara. You still there? I'm still here. All right. Good morning again. Good morning. All right. Let's get into some modeling and like uses of inherited assets. Sound good? Sounds great. Okay. So again, just wanted to set the stage for the hypothetical couple that we are using in our example this morning. So I believe I have married couple age 55. Between the two of them, they make about $300,000. They have something in the range of a million dollars earmarked for their own retirement. They have some well, cash. A million dollars, okay. Yeah, right. they're 55. Doing right? well, we, doing well. we, they're yeah. doing pretty well. They make pretty good money. <clears throat> they have a little bit of cash in the bank for emergencies. Maybe not the ideal amount, but a little bit. They're adding to their retirement accounts. I think I have one of them like maxing it out, which this year is 30,000 and the other one putting, I don't know, 10, 15,000 a year and something like that. They have, I don't think I got this detailed, but let's assume they have a couple of kids. Maybe one of them is through school and the other one is still in the college years. So let's assume they have a few more years worth of college tuitions. I'm assuming they have a primary home. They have a $250,000, mortgage left on their primary home. I think the way that I had it is there's, maybe they refinanced in the last five years. So they had, they have 10 or 15 years left on the mortgage, but it's a reasonably sized mortgage at $250,000-ish for, okay. for a couple their age. I'm assuming they have a little bit of a balance on the home equity line, just simulating getting some kids through school and maybe not having all of the cash resources to do that or the cash flow to do that. So maybe they had to borrow a little bit of money so they have a balance on a home equity line. I have it at $35,000. So nothing exorbitant, but they had to borrow some money to get some kids through school. All right, let's talk about, hold on, I got to pull up some reports here while I'm talking. I'm assuming, so they make pretty good money. Between the two of them, they make a few hundred thousand dollars. Are they, did we talk about where they are from a retirement perspective now? Are we going (laughs) to... Are we going to start there? Yeah. Have they done any planning already? Do they know Um, what their situation is? Do they know how close they are to being able to retire? I didn't get that far, but we'll do that right now. I did want to, yeah, I just, before we talk about an inheritance, I just wanted to describe them, explain where they are with their own retirement, and then bring in the inheritance and model how that can change and the different things they can think about. I just wanted to get into, I think it's helpful. Maybe, I don't know, you can stop me if I'm getting too detailed, but I think it's helpful to understand their cash flow too. Like, this couple makes a few hundred thousand dollars between the two of them. Yep. They are able to, they're able to add some pretty good money to their retirement accounts. Yeah. They're able to pay some college tuition money out of pocket. I'm saying like $25,000 a year yep. out of pocket. They're, they're paying a mortgage. They're paying down the home equity line like a little bit. And I just wanted to 
I couldn't remember the number off the top of my head, so I just had to do some quick math in terms of what their monthly spending is, which I always find helpful, but I actually don't. But uh, And I, I guess I wanted to elaborate on the, that a little bit, but hold on, let me do some math. So they're spending, first of all, this will open up an interesting discussion because this number is going to sound big, but I think most people don't realize that they spend a lot more monthly than they think they do, especially because we've had really crazy inflation the last yeah. couple of years. Yeah. And just in general, people don't really know how much they're spending. And it's almost always a lot more than they think, right? When they go through right. the exercise of like really writing it down. So right. I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I do that all the time. I will do a plan and I'll say, oh, that sounds like a lot of money. And then I think about my own spending and I'm like, oh no, you know what? It doesn't because yeah. that's, that's like what I spend. But so, the numbers sound big now because we're, we're, I think because we're old. I, is that what it is? Oh, damn. <laughs> so I have these people spending out of pocket. Hold on. 162. Like eleven or $12,000 a month. Yep. Which I think, I feel like for some people would sound like a lot, but I, you'd be surprised how many people add up. I, I don't think it's a whole lot these days for this area of the world for right. these people make pretty good money. They're doing a little travel and they're... If your gross income is, are we at $400,000 a year? Three, these people are $300,000 a year. $300,000 a year. Yeah. So they're not even spending, 12000 a month would be less than half of their gross. It's certainly not out of the realm of possibility. Right. And, I think a lot of people in that situation more than likely spend more if you average yeah. out everything. These people I'm having them like, I didn't factor in so that it's like $12,000 a month not factoring in maybe some health insurance premiums that come out of their pay, one of their paychecks and yep. without factoring in them paying for some college out of pocket. So it's kind of like $12,000 a month plus they're paying a little bit for college and yep. they are, of course, they make $300,000, but a bunch of that goes to taxes and and then they are tucking some money away in their own retirement accounts. Okay? Yep. All okay. right. I don't know. So did I do okay? So I don't know if that's an average person or not, but someone with pretty good income and means and wants to do some retirement planning. Um, I was trying to describe someone somewhat in the pre-retirement years, somewhat average for, I don't know, people that would go through this exercise. Yeah, I think so. And I think we can, yeah, we can obviously change the numbers around and do yeah. other types of scenarios too. But yeah, that's a good start. Yeah. Okay. Actually, before we get into that, we have a caller. So let's go to Dick from Plymouth. Good morning, Dick. You there? Good morning, Alyssa. Good morning, Justin. Yep. Happy to be a client of yours. Just yes. How are you? And you're talking about inheritance. Something happened last year. My mother-in-law passed away, and her house was going to be vacant. It was owned by my wife and her brother. So they, we had it appraised, and let's say it was $400,000 just for numbers, and we asked any of the kids if they wanted to buy it. And we went, one daughter that'll take anything, you got anything, she wants anything from the family. So she said she wants it. So we told them we would give them my wife's half of the house. So if it was 400, they'd only have to come up with 200 to buy the brother out, and we would have give her our half. And we also, in our, everything is in a trust, we got it set up, so when we pass and the trust gets divvied out, she's already got 200 of whatever amount is left. So that's one way in a two-year inheritance. And another thing, I actually turned an irrevocable trust around. There was somebody on the trust with, that didn't behave too well, and oh. it took two years, but we actually removed somebody from an irrevocable trust. Oh, interesting. But did it take two years to do that? Because you had to go to court for that, right? And get a court order. Yeah. Yeah, we, it, took, it took two years. One of the reasons why this was all during COVID, 
So everything, they didn't have any court cases. Everything was done online and pushed back and everything like that. But wow. it went, to a, went in front of a judge twice. But it did get, and this wasn't like for the children. This was beyond the children, like the grandchildren department, the, okay. somewhere down the line. So it can be done. Yeah, I, that's interesting you say that, Dick. I, the, I was <laughs> describing briefly a situation that I'm working through now with a client that had passed, and the successor trustee is someone that's just really through no fault of her own, so, somewhat un- incapable of dispersing and settling and making decisions. And the f- extended family is trying to or expressed interest in trying to replace this trustee and there's an attorney involved and the attorney's trying to do xyz and i was just kind of you know what i'm bound here like without a court order we can't just unless this person resigns as trustee without in absence of a court order they, they can't be replaced so we were actually talking through what would the process be if they had to force this person's hand but in absence of a court order there's not much you can do unless the trustee resigns but that's interesting and yeah it can take a long time to settle these things another reason to not really bank on an inheritance right because like Justin alluded (laughs) to earlier just can take a really long time but what Dick what were you saying about the house so you were saying that one of the siblings wanted to keep the house and you ended up buying she ended up buying everyone else out Right. Yeah. She didn't buy everybody else out. She, my 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 wife and her brother inherited the house. The house was in their name anyway. Okay. Years and years ago, my mother-in-law was ninety-six when she went. I no, she was almost ninety-nine. Oh wow! And she didn't have any trust at all, but she had everything planned correctly. Like the houses, the house has been in her children's name for over 10 years okay. with her having the right to stay there. Everything else they were beneficiaries of so she, when she passed, there was no probate. It just went bang for them. Oh, nice. Yep. Yep. So yep. the house is on a lake. It's only it's a small house and she hasn't done anything in it for uh, probably 65 years. She's been in it oh, for wow. 70 years. And it needed a lot of work, but it had a good location. So my daughter, we offered it to all the kids. Nobody wanted it except oh. my daughter. So the half of the house, she has to pay her brother out. We gave her our our half. Our oh, I see. Half. Yeah. And yeah. then when we pass, when our estate is divvied up, it's all written in there that she already has, let's say, two hundred thousand dollars or whatever the half of that. That she's already got that. Right. So because everything is equal in fifths, because we have five children. Okay, I feel like it's pretty. It's actually pretty rare for. It seems to me that it's pretty rare that when someone passes, that someone else in the family wants to keep the home. And more common, well, like a a, lake you're house, talking yeah. about a lake house or a cape house, like the family vacation home. I guess that's more common, but it doesn't seem to me like it's very common that the primary residence is retained by the family when mom or dad passes. Well, she has. My daughter has a son. He's in his early 20s. And he's in there by himself. And he's he's paying for the all the utilities, all the taxes, all the insurance, and for the loan that my daughter had to take out to buy her half. Okay. Or buy her, my wife's brother out. So he's, like, owning to buy. Oh, I see. And yeah, renting. That, that, sort of like okay. renting to own. Yeah, renting to own. Yeah. So that's what he's doing. Naturally, he's getting a good deal because that's her son. Right. Yeah. Biggest, even down the road, she has a big house. If she wants to sell that, she can move on a smaller house, too. So she's got 
all kinds of plans. And if push comes to shove, she has a hard time. She can always sell it because she's only paid half what the house was worth. Because she inherited the other half. Yeah. It sounds, yeah, it sounds like your family has done some pretty good planning in that well, regard. Well, and Yeah. Well, to your listeners that there's all kinds of ways to skin a cat. <laughs> exactly <laughs> what we're talking about today. Yes, all different ways to use the money. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Dick. Good to chat with you. Thank you. Have good a talking to you, Dick. Yes, Justin, you guys have a good 4th of July, please. Happy 4th as well. Take care. You as well. Be safe. All right, bye. Bye-bye. All righty. Yeah. Nice to get that perspective. I know. Yeah, absolutely. It does seem it did seem smoother, right? So if it, yeah, pre-planning obviously was was done in that case, and it seemed like everything was working out pretty well. Yeah, hopefully, we'll good, continue. Good lesson there. Yeah. Um, okay, so right before. Get back to yeah, our person. Let's get back to our hypothetical couple here. Do they have a name? Was that, we're gonna have to refer to it's them. It's Mr. and Mrs. Client, age fifty-five. Okay. <laughs> it's really, it's a really creative name when I was working on that this morning. Okay, so I don't need to, do I need to repeat all the variables? No, this is a fairly well off, decent income earning, have some assets yep. earmarked for retirement. They're 55, still paying some of college, reasonable amount of debt, et cetera. So if I, so for this couple, I've also gone a step further and started thinking about their life in retirement. And so okay. assuming they're maintaining their current level of spending, but the mortgage will be paid off in 10 or 12 years, but then also in retirement, they're hoping to do a little bit of extra travel and they have some renovations they want to do to the home, totaling $100,000 over a few years. Nothing crazy, but just so that's not out of the realm of reality for some upkeep and some reasonably sized renovations to their home. So factored in some additional spending in the near future. And so for these people, if I do a projection for them, if I say, okay. Yeah. Can I just, can I stop you there? Yeah. I think if you don't, as an inheritor, if you don't have a retirement plan in place, it's a great time to do one. Because as Mm. as you mentioned, they have this particular couple, they do have retirement plans that they've sat down and thought about it and critically, I think, priced it out. Because when it comes to deploying inheritance capital, as we talk about the tax consequences, you're going to need a longer-term tax projection in order to make us, in order to make smarter decisions right now. If you don't, yeah. if you don't know when you're going to retire, or critically what your retirement situation looks like, it's going to be much, much harder for you to say, "All right, then this is what I should do with the funds now," because yeah. what taxes are an ongoing concern and. You could, obviously, if you're inheriting certainly IRA assets, but even taxable assets, that's going to have an impact on your future tax rate as you as you go to and through retirement. Yeah, for good I just point. wanted to point out that if you don't have a plan in place, and it sounds clearly Mr. and Mrs. Client do, which is great for them, but if you don't, great time to actually sit down and make some projections because it's you're going to have to start making some decisions relatively soon. Yeah, especially if we're talking about a very sizable inheritance and all the different uses, which right. is the intent for part of the show today. So for this couple, if I do a projection for them, let's assume they want to retire at age 65 and we're assuming a 20 to 25 year life expectancy maybe one of them age 85, one of them age 90. So something in that range, there's about a 50% chance that they have enough assets and that they're on a good track to pull off retirement at 65. But then if I say, oh, you know, what if we look at retirement at 68, then the model looks pretty good. 75, 80% chance that they have the assets to retire in their late 60s and can fund in that case then a 20-ish, 22-year year life expectancy in retirement with these extra travel related goals, et cetera. I've in this model, I think it's just always important to note that in this model, which is generally the 
the default way that I run a retirement model is that I do ignore equity in a in their primary residence. So when I yep. say they have enough assets to fund their retirement, I'm talking about their cash and their retirement assets. I'm not utilizing any equity in their home, and that's my default. It, sometimes we take sometimes we have those conversations materialize about either a downsize or using equity from a home in another way. But my default is that I would ignore the equity. I think it's like a good fallback, right? Mm-hmm. So this without factoring in an inheritance yet, this couple is on track to retire, let's say late 60s, okay? And and of course we could go a few steps further. What if they didn't travel as much? What if they cut back on their dining out, et cetera? Then can they pull off retirement at age 65? Probably, but is that the retirement that they envision? Maybe not though, but on a better track for late 60s. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So that's base case, like where they are. And so then let's say that this one member of this couple, either mom or dad passed and they stand to inherit a sizable amount of money. I don't know if we want to define it or I guess let's call it a few hundred thousand dollars. You're going to have to put um, something in this office. Yeah. I guess the first, I guess the first yeah. thing I would do is, so for this, <clears throat> yeah. Okay. Let's assume they're inheriting $300,000 and let's just for simplicity, assume it's cash. <laughs> Maybe there was just a piece of real estate and it's worth six. 600,000 and there's two kids and it's half and half. Like it's really never that simple, but let's just for simplicity's sake for today. So I guess there's, we could think about, I always go to what's the debt. That's the first place I would go. What's the debt? Does it make sense for debt to be cleaned up? What are your other goals? What there's college tuition left. They want to do some renovations to the home. What are the other goals? There's just hypothetically putting the money in an investment account and investing it for their own retirement. There's again, coming back to what are their other goals? What if they want a condo in Florida? Like this is, this can open up conversations, but I would say the first thing, like the easiest thing to model is in this example, they had a mortgage of about yep. 250000 and a home equity line of 35000 Like a, the simplest model is just, if let's just erase the debt and all yep. other variables remain the same and none of your goals really change. And let's see how impactful that is. I would... I don't want to lose my base model. So I was just going to quickly duplicate it. And then I'm just going to wipe out the debt and then rerun. And then we can go from there. We can talk about larger amounts and additional goals, right? Like some people, you know, might yeah. say, well, I did always want that condo in Naples or n- now the hotspot is like the Carolinas, right? We, <laughs> yes. Yeah. And we should, I don't think we mentioned what our interest rates were, but that would clearly, that would be if not the driving factor on what you would do with a potential inheritance, one of them. So we're, a lot of folks will have a lower interest rate mortgage now. Uh, the home equity line that I'm sure is, um, in this case, going to be a floating rate. So that's, I don't know if what you put into your software here, but you would have a serious discussion about, all right, let's see, my mortgage is at three and a quarter and... I had it at three and a half. Yeah, three and a half. Okay. Yep. Yeah, which is, so things have changed a bunch in the last couple of years. And now it would be, we certainly can't pay off the mortgage, but you could also say, all right, what if we invested the money? Didn't pay off the mortgage because that day, that debt is, is so almost valuable now, right? Maybe valuable yeah. is not the right yeah. term, but yeah. relative to other types of debt where you have that payment that's staying put while, while inflation increases everyone else's expenses. I think it's probably a uh, something we should at least discuss. Yeah, and the software is a great tool to utilize when having that yeah. discussion. Like the easiest thing to model and to actually just think about is let's just use the cash, wipe out the debt. Of course, I don't know that people really want to do that. Like a lot of people would want to tuck the money in an investment or do something else in their life, but but <clears throat> it's but we and but the software kind of goes is good back to, to you know utilize and, that. And yeah. again, back to discussions about with your potential heirs. Some people do want to have 
that inheritance be more tangible, right? Oh, this is the account that I inherited from mom. Yeah. That's like it's, or maybe it's, I, I don't know. If it's used to pay down a mortgage, it almost, the money almost disappears. It's almost like a, it's almost like a separation. Yeah. Uh, oh, we, yeah, I shouldn't get into that. We All right, wrap we'll, it up. we'll get into that right after the break because I need the results of this model, but I had to tweak a few things in order to talk about that. But you're listening to okay. McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed, joined by my brother and business partner, Justin McNamara. We're talking about inheriting money and deploying assets. We're just taking a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Mike McNamara. If you're looking for a financial advisor, start by asking him or her three questions. Number one, are you a certified financial planner practitioner? Number two, are you legally held to a fiduciary standard of care for your clients? And number three, do you only give financial advice and not sell investment products? These are all simple yes-no questions. If he or she doesn't answer yes quickly and starts talking, that's a no, and it's time to move on to another advisor. And we're back. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. I'm joined by my brother and business partner this morning, Justin McNamara. And we are talking about inheriting assets today and utilizing them in your own life and things to think about. And we've used the word deploy a lot and I love it in this regard. So we're- Positive term. Yeah. Utilize is just boring. Was a boring term. Yeah. So it needed a few minutes. That there. Actually, that break was well, was well-timed because I needed a few minutes to manipulate, or <laughs> manipulate the wrong word, modify the we're, plan. We're planning live here. Yep. Yeah. We were trying to model the impact of, in this case, a $300,000 cash inheritance. This couple happens to have about that much in terms of balance on their mortgage and home equity line. So just for okay. simplicity, first iteration was get rid of the debt, and how does that impact their ability to retire and meet this financial goal? So what I had to do was, first thing I did when I just wiped out the death, the yeah. debt, what you have to do is essentially take that mortgage and that debt payment and save it for their retirement. So I had to, I created like a hypothetical account and um, instead of them using that, in this case, a couple hundred to 2,500 a month to pay down debt, I'm yeah. at uh, using that to build additional assets for retirement. So I just had to take that next step. And so this, I would say that this could give them the opportunity to retire two to three years earlier than otherwise. They were on, previously they were on a good track to retire late 60s and pull off a 20, 20 some odd year retirement without touching equity in their home. And now yep. this is a few hundred thousand comes into their life. And I would say pretty comfortably looks like 66, 65, 66 looks pretty doable for this couple. So that buys them a couple of years. So I don't know if that's, I don't know if people think that's very impactful or not. $300,000 sounds like a lot, but it's just a couple of years earlier that they could, I think, comfortably afford to retire. So I don't know. I think one of the things is one of the points I wanted to make is that, I don't know, sometimes it's just not always as much as you, th- maybe not always as impactful as you think it will be. I, and I think that's just time and infl- right inflation creeping up and, and money just over time doesn't go as far. And unfortunately. Yeah. And I think obviously, so any, just to be clear, any scenario that we run involving inheritance, right, you're going to, ha- you're going to have to put the inheritance of, in terms of lifestyle, right? So if yeah. someone, if this was a a lower income person with with three hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars in assets, a three hundred thousand dollar inheritance would probably change their their situation much more substantially, right? So it, everything's relative, 
And in this case, if you have a million dollars saved and plan to continue to save, right? They're 55, we said. Right. So they were planning on another, a, a full 12 years more of savings. So this $300,000 right. in the grand scheme is a relatively small percentage of their overall assets. Right. And therefore, you wouldn't expect it to, to change things materially. Clearly, it will help. I should, I will point out that for some folks, it, we can, there are obviously other changes that, that you can look at. So I, I tend to find that occasionally people will get anchored to a retirement date if you're doing, if you're doing long-term planning. And if let's say you start when you're, you start when you're 45 and you spend all this time and you have this date in your head, oh, I'm going to retire at this particular date. Sometimes it's, sometimes I really have to push, push on clients to say, especially in the case where there is an inheritance and there's like a sudden change in their financial situation. Sometimes I do have to say, Hey, you could actually, you don't have to go until 67 or whatever their magic number is. There's, there can be like a a psychological anchoring, I think. And a lot of times that situation does change. And yeah. I just wanted to point that out to folks that this, you could, there's multiple things that could change. One could be the retirement date, or if you like your job, you can maybe all of a sudden we could add in, what if they travel twice as much? There's lots that could change. Yeah, that's a good point. I do wonder if people get, you meant, you said anchored to a specific date, but yeah, if we're planning 10 or 12 years out anyway, this is something that obviously you would want to right. continue to be reevaluating in that period of time, markets change, inflation changes, jobs change, goals change, right? Interest rates, all that stuff. But yeah, I, so what, when you, as you were talking there, I was running like a side-by-side -side scenario. So the first scenario was pay off the debt and then save your free cash flow. Use the inheritance to pay off debt and then save your free cash flow ongoing. I think yep. there's like some I don't know, mental, there's some relief to doing that. I think a lot of people just don't like having debt, would feel good to yep. not have the debt. Having said that, it might feel better if you're 65 to pay off the mortgage and have no debt versus someone who's 55 and has just like been used to having a mortgage for like their whole adult life. Yeah. So maybe it's it's a little bit different depending on your age, but so there's some sort of relief to paying off the debt. But to what you alluded to earlier is, I was modeling like a low interest rate debt. They had refied during the refi boom we had the last decade or so. They were at a three and a half percent interest rate in our example. So let's do a side-by-side -side model where let's say they just keep that low interest rate debt and they take this $300,000 and they just invest it now for their retirement and then just keep paying down the debt on schedule. And yep. so this software that we use is a really good tool to side-by-side -side model those. And so this is gonna come down to what's the interest rate on the debt and what's the earnings expectations on the investment asset. Um, right. And so I bet you could guess which one is going to look better. Yeah, um, <laughs> I think yeah, the investment is gonna look better. The earnings potential is greater, right. but it's potential and there's risk, of course. That's right. I think I, I'm certainly, I don't think we are, we're not numbers first when it comes to planning. Generally speaking, we mm. certainly take, there's a psychological well-being to, to being debt-free. In, in an environment like this one, in this particular situation, I think both you and I would probably have the discussion about what the best use of the money is. And I think certainly, right, if they had, a, if they had 15 years remaining on their mortgage, and their plan was to retire in 10, then it might be a discussion. All right, you can certainly, we can get ahead of the debt a little bit and have you on schedule to have it paid off at retirement. But it's more than likely going to be that the situation, you know, they're probably pretty significantly better off if investing this money 
then if you have 10 years until retirement, that's generally speaking long enough to for a balanced portfolio to earn more than the three and a half that yeah. they're in. So it's probably, the finances are probably very clear on this one. But that said, there are, every situation is unique and the, the psychological benefit from being debt free is it's not it shouldn't be ignored but you certainly want to make that dis, you want to make that decision with all the information and how much better is it right or how much worse if it's a if the yeah. mortgage was four and a half it's probably a fairly pretty substantially different discussion than if it's three and a half right yeah it does in this case if i assume we invest that three hundred thousand in like in a balanced portfolio technically so we would say five and a half to six percent earnings yeah so trying to be fairly reasonable there but there's some taxes associated with that but still the after-tax potential for earnings in a balanced portfolio is still greater than interest on a three and a half percent mortgage. So in this model, it does look a little bit better. I kept them like, I have like now a retirement at 66. I had side by side, same retirement ages. It does look a little bit better for them to have the money invested, but not like materially. So the way that our, the way that our software works is that it will give like a, it'll do a probability analysis. So what are the chances of these assets lasting for this stated period of time, basically right. life expectancy. Yeah. And so the first model where they pay off the mortgage and retire at 66, it was like a, I don't know, 72 or 74% chance of having the assets. So it was like pretty good, not perfect, but like pretty good. And then if I do the same retirement age of 66, but I invest the money instead and keep the debt and pay it off on schedule, it's like a 78% chance of success. So it's a little bit better, but not yeah. like do you, drastically you have the, the median, better. Do you have the median, what is it called? The median value at median net worth at death? What's the difference there? Oh, I, hold on. I'd have to rerun that. that. I didn't write it down. <laughs> yeah, it is. But right. yeah, and that's again, a good point. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's probably valuable to look at it in both ways, right? But in some cases, oh, my odds are, I'll feel a lot better if I have my mortgage paid off now and my odds of success only go, they go from, from 88 to 87 if I do that. So that that's, that's, again, one way to look at it. It doesn't seem that doesn't seem that much worse. They, you can also do a calculation and write it. Of course, anytime you're running a scenario analysis, it's, there's lots of different outcomes and we average them all up, but you would say, all right, what my, not that I'm sure most people don't really, they're hopefully your scorecard on your life isn't how much money you die with, but you certainly can average the projections and say, all right, in, in this scenario, my average or my median net worth at death is a million five. And if I run mm-hmm. it on this scenario, it's a million four. So there's, you can put, mm-hmm. you can put dollars on it and you can also put percentages on it. And those may be, some may be more valuable yeah. to than others. So, yeah. I think I'm pretty comfortable saying that if you're inheriting assets, let's continue to talk about someone who's not yet retired, like a pre-retire, yep. I guess a pre-retiree. I'm pretty comfortable saying that if you're on the older side of being a pre-retiree, so if you're like, let's say in your 60s versus in your 50s, yep. I think I'm pretty comfortable saying that it's probably better for you to eliminate debt and just free up your cash flow when you're inheriting assets on the later side. Yeah. And I'm also comfortable then saying that if you're on the younger side of being a pre-retiree, so let's say you're in your 50s or even your late 40s, probably going to look better for you to keep the debt, especially if it's a low interest rate debt, 
keep the debt and invest the money because compounding interest over time in an investment with gr- potentially greater earnings potential than, than the interest rate on the debt is going to look better. So that, yep. I think that's a generality. And of course, case by case and everyone's situation is different, but I think that's a, f- I'm fairly comfortable saying that. Well, you, you just have less time to amortize any difference on, on interest rates. So if you're, if, if you're 45 and, you, and you're saying, I'm going to invest this at a potentially higher rate of return, that's much more valuable because of the compounding versus if you're 62, right? Yeah. So I think that just yeah, only makes sense that it's, it becomes less and less valuable because you just don't have as much time to compound the interest over. But also then I would go like one step further. If you're inheriting money on the very young side, like 20s yep. or 30s, depending on your situation in life, married or not, do you own a home yet or not, all that stuff. Do you have kids or not? It's called, there's a lot of variables you can talk through there, but uh, in this interest rate environment, probably good to earmark if you're inheriting on the very young side and either don't have, a, you don't own a piece of real estate yet and you want to, or you are in like a small place and you envision upsizing with your family at some point. In this yep. interest rate and real estate environment, may be better to use assets, you know, for real estate and minimize the size of your mortgage just because interest rates on new purchases right now are substantially higher than they were a few years ago and purchasing, getting a newly acquired property now versus someone that's in a low interest rate already and not moving different discussion. So very young people might want to, at least right now in this environment, I've had some conversations recently with some younger people that have inherited assets and we're earmarking sizable amounts of it for real estate to minimize the size of the mortgage they're taking in a six to 7% environment on newly acquired debt. Yeah, I think, yeah, that's right. We should, yeah, we, and we should be clear that inheriting at different times in your life, there's, you can, it's the impacts I think are different and the, and what you might recommend doing with it is different, right? You would probably do the same math or you could potentially do the same math, but because when someone's 55, the rest of their life is easier to map out versus 35. You're generally not running a fairly detailed retirement plan at age 35, at least not with any expectation that it, that this is how it's going to turn out. A 55-year-old, once they start mapping out their life, they may know when they want to retire. They may have ideas of where they'd like to live versus a 35-year-old. You might just say, all right, I'm going to make my life easier and my I'm going to have a less stress-filled existence for the next for the 30 years before retirement by deploying that capital and reducing my ongoing monthly payment. There's certainly value to that too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I just wanted to go like, I can think of several conversations I've had the last several years, people inheriting assets. And let's think of a scenario where someone is on a good track on their own for retirement, whatever that means. And so this couple that, this hypothetical couple that we're talking about here, they're on a pretty good track for retirement. It looked like late sixties, they could certainly, they could pull it off. And like you said, or alluded to earlier, they could probably pull it off earlier if they made some different decisions regarding spending, or maybe if one of them worked part-time consulting or something like that and had a little income through retirement. So you can work something that or put together something that works. And so let's think about, let's say this couple, let's say they're happy with their retirement track and instead of accelerating their retirement age, let's say they love work, right? And so instead of accelerating that, then maybe they're thinking about what are other uses for the money and not uncommon for someone to say, I wanted to real estate upsize or I've always wanted to do the master bathroom and put on this extra room in the house, renovations or second properties in another 
part of the world. So, you know, that's, we can use the software to help model in that regard as well. What's affordable, right? If they're on a good track for retirement anyway, and they're inheriting a few hundred thousand dollars, then what? $300,000 condo in Naples. I'm not sure if you can get a condo in Naples for $300,000, but maybe close. It's more like, it's more like 700 now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe not Naples, somewhere else. But it's it's somewhat, it's not quite as simple as purchase something for that amount. You have to come up with upkeep yeah. for the property and stuff like that. But what you can use the software to, I guess the point is start, people might start redefining goals or coming up with other financial goals and the software can be useful. And again, like you said, it can be, if you haven't already sat down and done a retirement plan, coming into a sizable inheritance is a good opportunity to do that because you might be able either redefine your own retirement or get yourself on a better track for retirement or can give you the opportunity to start defining different goals. And I guess it just, it just depends on the situation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we should take a look and I know, you know, this, you know, these, I know we didn't do, I don't know if you want to do an IRA scenario. I know we don't have a ton of time left oh, yeah. here, but we should certainly look at these at 55 with the planned retirement of, of 65 ish inheriting an IRA for these, this particular couple, there, there may not be much complex tax plan that would be done because it's, they're going to be, if they're planning to work both full-time for the next 10 years, it'll be a relatively yeah. simple, all right, we just try to get the money out as slowly as you can. But that's the kind of thing where you could hit the button right now and say, all right, I'm going to project their tax rates into retirement. And if you take a look at what happens when they retire, where do they go? That's, I think that's where a lot of that valuable planning is done. If you are inheriting in shouting distance of retirement. So I don't know if you want to, we can pop that into the software too, or at least yeah. you know, pretend it's in there. You don't have to put it in the software, but hey, what does what is, what is their retirement look like? And just a generic look at what happens to tax rates in retirement maybe for this particular couple. And if we change the scenario to their 60 as opposed to 55, what might, what might the options be there? Oh yeah, I can. Right, because then you have different, if it's an IRA versus cashes, right. it tends to be easier. We could have the same discussion about an IRA and paying off the mortgage, but it gets a lot more complicated. And maybe instead it's a, it's a, it's a 10 year plan to pay down the mortgage as opposed to, as opposed to just doing it all up front because you have to worry about the tax impact of withdrawals. Yeah. I, so I really quickly made them 60 years old. Okay. And I'm going to make their retirement. I'm going to make it so that they are on a track to retire or on a decent track to retire at 65. Is that what you're talking about? So what is the difference yeah. between... Sure. Like what we could quickly run a tax report. Like what is the impact of a fifty or a hundred thousand dollar a year distribution from a inherited retirement account? Is that what you're right? Or about? yeah, even before the distribution, what is it? What are the projections look like currently? In terms I know I'm of, asking. I'm not. I was asking. I was doing more generic. You must be pretty quick with the software here. If you're gonna oh yeah, I'm already pulling up reports. I you want to know what tax bracket they're in? <laughs> <laughs> How much time well, do we have? We only have easy. seven minutes. <laughs> yeah, I just press the projected tax rates button and see what they're. Got it. Okay. So I made them. So again, their combined income, their gross income's a little less than $300,000 between the two of them. Yeah. But between the two of them, I do have them putting $45,000 a year into retirement accounts. Like I had mm -hmm. one of them maxing it and the other one putting 15000 a year. So their taxable income is $218,000. So that married couple lands them in the 24% federal tax bracket. Yep. And then if I, so this is actually an interesting time to be talking about this because 
unless there's further legislation, the tax brackets are set to what we call sunset or change or go away and revert back to the prior tax code in tax year 2026, I believe. So we have 23, 24, and 25 under the current tax code, which is the 10, 12, 24 bracket, 10, 12, 22, 24 brackets and so on. The prior tax code was the 10, 15, 25, 28, and then a few up from there. So those are set to come back in in the tax year 2026. So now if I look out and we can run a projected tax analysis for them, it's going to land them. So like they're in the 24 bracket now, but in retirement, they might be in the 25% bracket, even though their income... Yeah. And that's, yeah, super, super complicated, right? Because all the, all of the, uh, it wasn't the same income thresholds either. Right. Right? The income thresholds would change and it was all, right. So hopefully, I don't know. I don't know if I should say hopefully, but ideally for planning, it's easier to plan with, with certainty around tax rates in this case. Yeah. There certainly could be further legislation that, that codifies what we have now and, or it could just sunset and go, go back to where we were in 2015. So like, for example, right now it's showing their taxable income at $220,000, which is putting them in the 24% tax bracket. But if I look out a few years and into their retirement, for example, there's a year when their taxable income could be $170,000. So $50,000 less than it is now, but they could be in the 25% tax bracket. So it's only a percent higher, but still (laughs) um, it's a percent higher. So I guess, so if we would look to see, okay, like what's the impact of them? Let's say one of them did inherit three quarters of a million or a million dollar retirement account and they have to take sizable distributions over time. Good problem to have. But the impact of that, I could probably somewhat quickly do that if you chat for 30 seconds. (laughs) (laughs) We only have a few minutes to model this, but... Do you have the tax rate projection? Why don't you just run that with the year-to-year tax projection? Yeah, I do have that. What I usually do is I'll just run a... The software that we use has a projected tax rate for every year and it just says, all right, in this this year you'll be in this tax rate and you look forward 20 years... And in that kind of a scenario, you can really see where things change. And generally speaking, oh, it's here at retirement, right? You're no longer working full time. Your tax rate drops. So now you're 75 and requirement of distributions kick in and maybe your tax rate goes up. So you tend to see changes with major, with kind of major retirement type events, right? When you take Social Security versus or are just living off of your your nest egg. So those kind of things are very valuable for the tax planning piece of it because now all of a sudden you might have $250,000 in IRA assets that you need to get out and pay taxes on and you really want to know what the best time to do that is, right? I want to pay that in a year when I'm in the 12% tax bracket, not in a year when I'm in the 24. Right, yeah. In this case, I just did it really quickly. I did $100,000 out of a retirement account every year for the next 10 years. And they're like prior, previously when I ran this, their tax brackets were 24 to 28% depending on the year and whether they were working or not. And now it's 24, 25, 28 and upwards of 33% depending on the year. Yeah. So worth that from 24 to 33 is a big jump and worthwhile to do some planning or take less out in those years if the tax code does change in those years. But yeah, good reason to meet with a financial advisor, tax planner and start thinking about that if a sizable inherited retirement account in particular comes into your life. Okay. We only have a few more minutes. That was crazy fast. We only have a couple more minutes. All right. So I guess just to wrap it up, 
like Justin said earlier in the show, inheritances coming into your life, especially of a sizable amount. If you haven't already done any retirement planning projections on your own, especially if you're in those pre-retirement years, great reason to do so and figure out the best use of, de- of deploying those assets in your life. Certainly there can be tax consequences to consider, <clears throat> can be lifestyle changes to consider. You could might be opportunities to redefine goals or pay off debt or get yourself on a better track for your own retirement, et cetera, et cetera. But this is all, I was going to say fun stuff, Hope, hopefully fun stuff. Generally it's bettering financial situation for people in under awful circumstances because someone has passed, but but does oftentimes, as you were talking about, average age of someone passing sort somewhat lines up with an age in their adult child's life where money is often appreciated because kids are getting through college or it might be debt yeah. from college and trying to pay down a mortgage, trying to retire on your own and the house is 20 years old and needs all this X, Y, Z. Sometimes it lines up with a time in life when it's needed and appreciated. Yeah. All right, that was fun. You've been listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. My brother and business partner, Justin McNamara, joined co-hosting with me today. We talked about inheritances. That was a good show. Thanks for listening, everybody. If you miss any of our shows, we all turn them into podcasts. You can search your podcast app for McNamara on Money. And we produce two podcasts a week using the content from our shows on the weekend. That was awesome. Have a good weekend, everybody. Thank you, Justin. Talk to you soon. Talk Uh, to you soon. You're listening to McNamara on Money once again. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. 